Welcome back. This is Ticket to the Hizzy Fantasy Football, T-I-T-T-H number 34. I'm your host, Justin Bruni. I got Nick Davis and Emron Khan with me. Say what's up, guys. What's up, guys? What's up, everybody? So, yeah, we got a good show on the books for today. Uh, starting out with some recent news, we got Alex Smith of the Washington football team cleared to play football. Washington football team still sounds kind of weird to say. Uh, instant reaction, guys. Well, what are we thinking about Alex Smith? Is he going to be on your fantasy team this year? He is not going to be on my fantasy team, but I got some feelings about this, and it's nothing to do with Alex Smith. Okay? Right on, Nick. Alex Smith right is, um, you know, I'm glad that he's cleared to play. I'm glad that he's recovered from it. Um, but I am tired of Dan Snyder doing the cash grab just for any story. He's had nothing but bad news this offseason, mm-hmm. and clearing Alex Smith to play. Has anyone actually looked at his legs? Did the, did the doctors actually look at his legs? But let me give you just a little excerpt from the uh, ESPN release. It said, um, uh, oh, before the start of training camp, Smith told ESPN Stephanie Bell that he had been cleared by his personal doctors for full activity. One of his doctors is also Washington head team physician Robin West. First mistake, okay? Those guys <laughs> didn't misdiagnosed Trent Williams on a tumor on his head and told him it was good for him to play, um, and he made the right decision for himself. Good job, Trent, for getting out of Washington. I commend you for going to the 49ers. Get out of Washington. Good job. But now the person that I'm worried about is Alex Smith. His leg literally looks like half of a leg. I, it, it, it's not good. And you see in the video where they're all celebrating. Great. I'm glad that they're celebrating him coming back. Shows a lot to his kids that you can come back from adversity. Nothing against Alex Smith. But the guy can't even show his leg without uh, a sleeve in public because it, it's just terrible. Um, I'm just fragile. Not, yeah, it's fragile, man. Like, <laughs> and the thing is, is we're going to talk more about this, you know, uh, in the episode. But the NFC East is hell, man. The pass rushers there are are nuts. You got Demarcus Lawrence. You got a recent sign, Everson Griffin. They ju- they added Gerald McCoy. Then you got the um the uh, the Eagles it, and. They're talking about, you know, Dwayne Haskins, you know, laying it up. Dude, we don't even have a left tackle because he went to the 49ers because you guys messed up on his medical. Um, I'm just really worried. You know, Justin told me he's going to get a jersey for Alex Smith. Great. I'm glad. I'm done supporting Dan Snyder, though, and I'm sick of, sick and tired of him trying to grab storylines just to make look make his team look good. But we all know that the team is in shambles, and they're barely hanging on by a thread. Sorry to get on my soapbox, but I'm going I'm to step <laughs> off. But Alex Smith, I, I love you, man. Good job doing what you did. Um, I'm just not happy on how the organization is handling it. They should just, you know, move, move on from this. I'm glad that you got cleared to play, though. Good job, Alex. All about Alex Smith in, uh, in 2020 if he gets on the field. Uh, in Superflex Leagues, for the fuck of it, I might, might even draft this guy. A ton of respect for Alex Smith. I think Nick is onto something, and he's, he's making this comeback. Nope. In the worst place possible, um, Ron Rivera, not attached to Dwayne Haskins, did bring in Kyle Allen, but he, just, you know, he didn't look great last year. I could see a situation where if Alex Smith stays clean in the pocket, isn't taking hits, and he's completing passes, he might be on the field this year for the Washington football team. It's a complete shit show. It's a complete shit show. He has been cleared and activated for football activities. 
whatever the leg looks like, his doctors say he's good to go. I, I don't know. I've seen him make some throws. I've seen him drop back in the pocket on the field. Does that actually equate to like real time, real speed in the NFL? I'm not sure. I'm not certain. And more than likely, I'm really not drafting Alex Smith anywhere. Just got a ton of love for the guy. Just not a ton of love for the situation. I do think Nick's on to something with like the PR, uh, you know, um, theme it's here. Sickening. It's it, sick. It really is. There's a lot of stuff going on in Washington that we really don't have the answers to. Hashtag release the article. Like, where's that Dan Snyder article that we were all waiting for? And he's only suing for $10 million. He can literally close the doors of the Washington Post and he's suing for $10 million. That is literally just telling everybody, oh, hey, I'm just going to send it in the court. So mm-hmm. it takes a year and a half to do it. Yep. But it doesn't really matter to him. That's literally $10 to him. Okay? It's just, it's sick. One of the one of the article one of the uh, paragraphs in the ESPN article says Washington's main concern has been uh, Smith's ability to protect himself. Then get an offensive line. You've had a revolving door at left guard on the blind side, and you're just going to let him get crushed and break his leg again. Again, nothing against Alex Smith, but Washington's not doing the right things to keep him healthy, and they're just going to throw him in the fire just to get some some PR whatever. So everybody's so happy that. Washington's coming out with a new team it's next year, story. and everyone's going to forget about the article. I don't forget about the article, Dan Snyder. You've been a terrible owner since Nick I've been born. Forget. The last time the Redskins have won a Super Bowl is when I was born, and I haven't seen a winning season in true fashion, seriously. Um, only Robert Griffin, but that was short-lived. You've done nothing but run this organization into the ground, and you stood your ground, and now you changed the team, and now you're getting pressure to sell. Sell the team, dude. Go to Nebraska. Hashtag release the article. You want to close it down, Amron? Follow that, but sorry, uh, passionate. No, it's, it's <laughs> no, it's all good, man. All good. Um, you know, first focus on Alex Smith. You know, this was a gruesome, catastrophic. Any, you know, anything, any word you can think of. The fact that he's, you know, cleared and he's healthy, he's able to walk. I think just a, just a quick panel back to the guy. He's naturally, I think, just I think he's one of those players you look at. He's a good guy. Yeah, I think everybody roots for him. You yeah, know, he's, he's like, he keeps to himself. It's a feel good story. You know, his guy. career started off rocky in San Francisco, and he got together with Andy Reid. Um, and, you know, he, he just became a great quarterback. He was doing a lot of good things for the Washington football team before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. They were on pace to win that division. Yeah, they were. And to kind of just close it out, like Nick was mentioning, like whoever the quarterback is, you know, keep in mind one of the underrated moves of the offseason is Trent Williams, you know, is no longer on the Washington football team. He when, when he was healthy and playing, one of the best tackles, maybe the best left tackle in football, he's not there. That is a massive gap that we're going to rely on, you know, to, to be filled. So that concerns me there. Um, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. You know, like we've covered in previous episodes, this is one of the things where, you know, we wish we had preseason. We wish you could see these guys play to get an assessment. I'm not sure you would be able to make the assessment even with preseason. We didn't even get to see the assessment last year. But seeing Alex Smith in preseason would have been a fucking treat. I'm sorry. Whether you see him play three snaps this season or 300, it doesn't matter. Like, seeing that guy back on the field – that would have been a great moment, you know, for all of football, really. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a, a significantly tarnished Washington football team, hashtag WTF. Yeah. Like, you know, everything that's been going on with them this offseason, I do see them leveraging the situation right now. I do see them pumping out this feel-good story. Yeah, it is. They've taken a lot of blows this, mm-hmm. this offseason. But they're, but they're really going to, I think, you know, like Nick was saying, like really push this whole Alex Smith storyline for the next four weeks until we, until we get uh, a new team name. They release the article. They're actually playing football. I think they're going to be, you know, Alex Smith, Alex Smith, Alex Smith. They're going to yeah. be hitting him hard uh, until we enter the season. It's just going to detract from Dwayne Haskins. Like, g- give the dude a chance. Like, you know, 
Dwayne Haskins is coming in this year. Apparently, he's done a lot of mental work on the offseason. Um, I still work. I still don't believe into all the hype that Washington does because you know who was hyped up last year? Darius Geis, and he's no longer on the team. So um, Darius Geis had plenty of hype this offseason. Exactly. Like, you can see, like, he would post all those workout videos, and he'd be sweating, looking good, and then you see him on the field, and he takes one hit, and his knee falls off. <laughs> so I'm, I, I just, it's... Hype in Washington does not matter, to be completely honest. And they're just going to do anything to just try and put a positive light on the team. But mm-hmm. it's so negative now. You're, I used to work in D.C., like inner city D.C. I used to see more Eagles uh, jerseys, more Ravens jerseys, more Cowboys, Cowboys. jerseys. In D.C., man, you have lost the city. You, No one likes you. You did okay with Bruce Allen getting rid of him. Thank you for doing that, but please sell the team now because we need you to get out so that we can actually have a team in Washington. The only way I'm going to cheer for you is if you go DC Sentinels and Shane Falco is your quarterback week one, okay? So I'm, I'm hopping off on the Washington soapbox. I think Keanu Reeves is going to be filming Mike or Michael Vick. <laughs> That's an interesting I, character. I think, he's gonna, <laughs> I think he's going to be filming uh, John Wick uh, 4 and 5. I don't know if he's going to be able to make any uh, playoff appearances. Shucks. <laughs> I heard he wants the ball, though. <laughs> he always, Falco always wants the ball. Yeah, really not sure what's going on there in, in D.C. The Alex Smith piece, you know, it is fluff. It is a feel-good story. And, yeah, it sucks that we don't have preseason. It would have been nice to see him play. So, uh, moving along, we have uh, more recent news. Everson Griffin uh, signing with the Cowboys. Um, instant reaction, guys. Any, any instant thoughts? What do you think, Cameron? I think a good signing for the Cowboys. You know, he's a respectable, respectable pass rusher. You know, um, you know, we saw him a lot in Minnesota in his career. Mm-hmm. Always just a pain in the side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's primarily going to be replacing the production they lost with Robert Quinn departing this offseason. Yeah, I think I do like the matchup of him getting paired up with the Marcus Lawrence. Um, he's not going to be getting a lot of double teams. Um, Lawrence is going to mm-hmm. be absorbing that. Yeah, um, they have a good defensive line as well. They're adding in, you know, Gerald McCoy and Terry Cole this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, they did lose. What I'm worried about is that two other additions they made: Trayvon Diggs in the draft at cornerback and mm-hmm. Hawkland Gibbs at safety. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with both of those. The one I'm worried about though is them losing Byron Jones in the offseason is one of the top corners in the NFL. Yeah, like, that's I mean, hurt. I don't think Trayvon Diggs will be ready to fill that role quite yet. Uh, I think I do like him. I do think he'll develop into a solid corner for them. Uh, but I think this off this season, I think their uh, secondary is going to be one of their bigger weaknesses. Um, they were a solid defense last year, and I think they'll still be maybe you know top ten, lower part of the top ten mm-hmm. this year. But I think their their weakness is definitely going to be that secondary. Yeah, I agree. What I see is the arms race in the NFL is going strictly towards defense. Um, the my first instant thought was, oh my gosh, the whoever's that quarterback for Washington is going to get crushed. <laughs> There's like you. There are very few teams that actually have a great offensive line. Colts and Cowboys are the first two teams that honestly come to mind. Yep. But there are plenty of teams that have great defensive ends, um, great defensive lines that just harass the quarterback. So now we're starting to see that there's more focus on putting pressure on the quarterback than actually protecting him. And it, it just means that the Cowboys are just going to be above Washington, which already was going to happen. But now with the signing, that's just more pressure that we're going to see um, You know, Alex Smith uh, Kyle Allen or Dwayne Haskins running from. I mean, we saw, you know, last year, Colt McCoy ran for his life and got swung around and broke his leg on someone's other's leg. Mm-hmm. It, it's just incredible that, um, you know, teams aren't really looking at, like, um, Mahomes. He just signed with a huge contract. But his offensive line is, I would say, one of the better offensive lines because they understand they got to protect their investment. 
Washington not protecting investments, not even protecting the players that they're trying to pump up. Um, I just see, uh, you know, the NFC East being hell for any quarterback, mm-hmm. any team that's going against the defensive line of the NFC East. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a hard time. Um, and I just see more sacks coming out of Dallas and more sacks coming out of uh, everywhere just because everybody's having an arms race on defense. Yeah, absolutely. So Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Dentari Poe, Everson Griffin. It's a really good start, right? Yeah, I mean, very good start. But behind those guys, you got uh, Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee. Man. But they have a really good group up front. Um, you know, it doesn't say, you know, rival the best in the league like the Bears or maybe, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers, you know, when we're talking like, you know, solid up front groups here. But it's respectable and it's really good. Um, losing Jones, like you mentioned, is going to hurt their, their backfield. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt their, their secondary. Uh, but up front, I think they do have some pieces that can cause some cause some chaos and mm-hmm. really force teams to to go pass heavy on them. So maybe they'll be able to work up uh, something to to combat that. But I really like what they're working with up front. Really good signing, you know, respectable. Like I said, um, it doesn't necessarily blow my hair back. It doesn't make me afraid of the uh, the Dallas Cowboys offense. Just you know, really kind of points to the direction that teams are going to be pass heavy uh, pass heavy against them. So. Yeah, good signing, respectable, but uh, other than that, it's about it. Kind of just meh for me. All right, cool. So let's break into uh, our topics for the week. Uh, we got Miles Sanders, trust or bust. Emron, trust or bust, what do you got? Uh, this Miles Sanders is going to be another running back I trust this season. So Sanders was a rookie last year. Um, Eagles took him in the second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, was in a committee for most of the last year, sharing it primarily with Jordan Howard. Yep. But he still had a really impressive year. You know, with all that being said, he had over 800 yards rushing, and he had 50 catches. You know, he played all 16 games, but you know, was sharing a workload with the other running backs in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fast forward this year, Jordan Howard's gone. He's the primary guy. He's the lead horse, yep. and he's got you know all the talent in the world. You know, he had to follow Saquon Barkley in college, which is no small size. You know. Uh, Saquon Barkley was basically a video game character with his leaping ability, his speed. It's just anytime he touched the ball, that guy was electric. And Sanders had a very impressive career. And I think he's going to have a really big sophomore season for the Eagles. Um, I would really like him in the uh, second round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, I'd be okay with him yeah. as my RB1 if I went, you know, wide receiver or, um, you know, I ended up with my, one of my first picks and got him on the wrap. Because mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a central part of this offense. And this offense, I think, is actually, they did a much better job this offseason in getting some, um, you know, weapons for Carson Wentz. Unfortunately, you know, one of those weapons was Mars Keeskid, put him in the speedster out of the Niners, who's opting out for COVID. You know, no one saw that coming. Mm-hmm. They still got speedster Jalen Rager, mm-hmm. who ran uh, in, in his virtual pro day, not at the combine, uh, a 4-2-2 and a 4-2-8. You know, those numbers are accurate. That's blazing. Uh, but at the combine, he ran a four four seven. So that makes more you sense. know, yeah. <laughs> so I think they have a lot of weapons on offense: Rager, Jackson, Jeffrey, Goddard, Ertz. So you know, teams are going to have to worry about the Eagles spreading them out. So these, that's going to lead to you know fewer you know fronts for Sanders that are going to have eight men in the box, and he's a true weapon out of the backfield. What do you guys think? Uh, I I trust him. Uh, I liked him. You know, one of the things I saw on Twitter was people were talking uh, before Darius guys left was. Darius Geis uh, was going to be rated higher than Miles Sanders. Uh, I call it BS on that oh, because yeah. I like Miles Sanders way more than Darius Geis. Darius, uh, Miles Sanders has shown that he can last an NFL season. Um, last year, Jordan Howard had about 500 yards and six touchdowns. Now, we, I'm not going to say that every single one of his touches are going to go to Miles Sanders. Those uh, those touches will be distributed, but I do see at least 1,100 yards and you know 
seven to eight touchdowns just on the rushing end. And I also love that he's a receiver. He had 50 uh, receptions last year for 500 yards and three touchdowns. So um, I, I love that. That's 10 yards a catch. That's pretty good. You know? For so, a running back. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, he's starting like five yards behind the uh, goal line or the line field. scrimmage. So. so he's not just checked down. Yeah, he's getting downfield. Yeah, exactly. So he's definitely able to get those yak yards. So um, I love him. He's I just see more production coming out of him with, you know, less miles to feed. Um, he's just become more of the featured back in that offense. Yeah, absolutely. So last year, uh, dealing with issues, uh, you know, combating Jordan Howard for touches. This year, he's got Boston Scott and Corey Clement behind him. I do see Corey Clement still getting his touches. Uh, Doug Peterson, as a coach, loves to feed all of his running backs. He is very much a running back by committee uh, type of coach, but he doesn't have the the pieces this year to do it. You know, you have Miles Sanders there. Boston Scott, you know, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Good amount of speed to him. Corey Clemento, uh, really good in between the tackles, uh, downhill runner. So I do see him getting used, and I do see this team as a potential landing spot for you know free agent running backs. You know, I could see a Devontae Freeman getting added in here, um, and that's just because of Peterson. It's, it's really just you know based off of his uh, his history and his past of using a lot of running backs, and you know the way it looks right now, Miles Sanders should be in line for a very good workload. I have him at running back eleven, but I believe moving Clyde Edwards Hilaire up to nine is going to push him to twelve. <clears throat> so running back 11 or 12, I'll still take this guy in the first That's round. still an RB1 in a 12-team league. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, 12th pick, 13th, 14th pick in you know, some deeper leagues. I'll absolutely pop him off in the first round if running backs have gone heavy. But I do agree with Emron that his value is there for you in the second round. You know, I would much rather grab like you know, Eckler and then Sanders or, or you know, something like that. Um, or a high-end receiver like a uh, you know Tyreek Hill and then a Sanders or a Julio and a Sanders whatever yeah. you know uh, would definitely like to get him at value in round two. He had a pretty slow start to the season last year, only recorded 66 rushing attempts in his first eight games, and then 113 to close down his uh, second half. So you could definitely see his progression in this offense and his yep. usage. And I think that you know the storyline is there. Like they they very well could hold off, not sign another running back. And just let this guy, you know, feast in 2020. I am a little bit reluctant to give him that full-on trust commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like a piece is going to get added. I do like what they've done with the with the receivers, but at the same time, this is a team with another good offensive line. I see him catching 60 plus balls this year. I see him potentially rushing for at least a thousand yards. Yeah, please, in, please, in, you know, 66 attempts through eight games. Like, like what is that? Like eight something, eight and a half. Barely eight. Yeah, so he was barely touching the ball. I see him being a guy that's getting, you know, 15 to 18 touches right out of the gate. I don't know if he's a true, like, 20-touch-a-game bell cow type of guy, though. I don't know. 20-touch? I think 20-touch. Yeah, 20 touches with receptions. I don't know. Touches, I think I'm okay with. I hope so, but there's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. So uh, 20, 20 touches may not be there for me. Towards the back end of last year, he was getting it. So if he doesn't get that, then it's definitely a bust. But, um yeah, I, I, I I'm, not sure. I'm, not, I'm not fully there to commit with yeah, him just I, yet. I think like you hinted at, though, at the last eight games of 2019, mm-hmm. his rushing attempts double, basically double, right? Yeah, yeah. And from 66 the first game to 113 the second, yeah. Yeah, and that's because I think Peterson saw what he had. He knew who the best running back on the team mm-hmm. was, and I think that momentum is going to carry on to this year. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, cool. So moving into New York Giants, uh, we have uh, Slayton versus Shepard. Uh, we also have Golden Tate in the backfield, Evan Ingram there, causing some uh, issues for production. Where are you at on this, Nick? Um, so, New York is a very interesting, like, 
position for receivers because everybody's focusing on Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. Evan Ingram, Daniel Jones, but they got two receivers, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, that honestly both can break out to wide receiver one potential. Um, but, you know, Darius Slayton, he, he's a rookie. You've only seen one year. He only had, you know, basically two, three games where he just like popped off. Um, he's, he's definitely an electric player. Mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard, he's more the possession receiver where he's going to get those uh, steady diet of about six, seven targets a game. Um, as long as he's in the game on the field, he's going to get those touches. So um, in bet- between the two, for my team this year, I definitely want to focus on Darius Slayton. Um, I kind of like that lottery potential uh, for a touchdown at any time, uh, available 16 uh, weeks. Um, Shepard, he's... He has injury history. I believe he missed six games last year due to two concussions. So um, it's scary. You know, he could be, you know, weakened in that sense or more injury prone due to those previous injuries. So Mm -hmm. I'm picking Darius Slayton. Um, When I shared this article, one of the gentlemen that uh, replied back to it said that he took Slayton in an 18 an 18th round out of a 20 round draft. That's great. And, and, and Shepard wasn't even drafted. So I was like, dude, both of them are basically free. I was like, you just pick one and just let, or, or you could take both at, um, you know, Shepard in the waivers and see which one ever works best for you. Mm-hmm. So these guys are basically free. They're really sleepers. They're yep. kind of being discounted. So, yep. you know, the way I see it, Daniel Jones is going to ball out. Someone's got to catch the ball. One of those guys is going to catch the ball. Evan Ingram is supposed to be getting hurt. Shepard's supposed to be hurt, but that leaves Slayton there. Um, so, you know, really, it, whoever stays healthy is going to be the winner of this. But I, I right now think it's going to be Slayton for sure. Yeah, I, I'm really all over that technique. Um, as far as Sterling Shepard versus Slayton, to me, they're pretty even. You know, I, I have, what is it, Slayton at wide receiver 38, mm-hmm. Shepard at wide receiver 41. Mm-hmm. And in the last uh, mock draft that we saw, Sterling Shepard went with the first pick in the eighth round. Slayton went at the last. I mean, realistically, that's that's the approach here, guys, is let one go. Grab the next. Mm-hmm. She- both of them have upside. Yeah. So Shepard's still the wide receiver one there. He's, he's number one in the depth chart. Slayton had a great year last year, showed us a ton of potential, but there's plenty of weeks that he got put away. You know, to me, both of them are going to be matchup-oriented in fantasy. Yeah. You're not plugging them in every single week. No. You're going to be plugging them in against good matchups, right? Flex spots. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I think they're both going to be flex receivers for you, like Justin's hinting mm-hmm. at here. That's yeah. not going to be every week starters, but you're going to get them at great value. Like These are the players that help you get to your championship. Where you know it, mm-hmm. it shows the depth on your team. So between the two, I like Slayton a little bit more. Uh, I'm a fan of the boom potential. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I think Shepard is going to be very consistent for you. Granted, he yeah. stays healthy. He's going to give you a lot of those weeks of five catches for 50 yards, six for 60, like very safe. You know, on a PPR league, if you're if you're like flex is giving you 12 points, you'll take that. Uh, but Slayton has that potential to break off a 60 yard touchdown, right, and go mm-hmm. over 100 yeah. yards. He had some very big yeah, games. Yeah, he had some very big games last year. He had eight touchdowns. He kind of mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So between the two, I think um, I think Slayton's the one I'd go with just because of his speed and big playability. I think overall, I think the Giants want Evan Ingram, you know, to be their number one receiver and number yep. one threat in the passing game because yep. they, you know, invested a first round pick in him a couple years ago. What worries me about him is that in the last three years, his catches, his yards, and his touchdowns have all gone down mm-hmm. due to his durability, and that was just concerning. Yep. So I think Slayton is the guy I would, I would look at here, but like, but like Justin mentioned, it's. It's really just my, my preference, honestly, of, you know, Slayton's big play potential mm-hmm. versus, you know, Shepard just being a little bit more safe. But I think you could do fine with both. And I think where you can get them, 
I think it's a it's a great good, great value. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the the eight touchdowns for Slayton last year. Mm-hmm. That stat kind of needs an asterisk on it. Uh, three games, two touchdowns. Yeah. You know, and then and then only had two other games with a single touchdown. Yep. Those are booms. Yeah, you know, those are exactly what, what you're talking about. about. Yep. Those are some real booms. You know, I'm looking at these games: five catches, 154 yards, yep. two touchdowns. Bang. Uh, Ten catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Bang. Yep. And then he had another one for two for 50 for two touchdowns. That's volatile, guys. Like yep. that, that. That's volatile. And those two big games, those were great, but those were his two best games of the year. He didn't total. Uh, over 100 yards in any other game, right? Sprinkled in those two touchdowns, 50 yards. Um, had uh, 82 receiving yards in week three. There's just a lot of volatility there, and I want to see some more steadiness, even out of like a flex option, right? So Shepard, since coming in, into the league, he's gone, you know, year one, 16 games. Next year, 10 games. Next year, 16 games. Last year, only 10 games. If we're following some trends here, you should play a full 16 games. Yep. But, you know, we're, we're not sure if that's necessarily going to happen. There are more mouths to feed in that offense, so I'm not rushing to the well. Other than you know Ingram and Barkley, you know I'm, I'm not I'm not rushing to grab any of these guys. Other than who I believe to be the top two options. Uh, the one thing that definitely pushed Slayton towards uh, towards me towards Slayton for mm-hmm. my pick mm-hmm. was that I saw that uh, Slayton had 15 yards per catch. It's great. Um, it's great. And then Sterling Shepard had 10 yards per catch. So. Sterling Shepard is used to move the change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darius Slayton is used for that big play. Mm-hmm. Those games. Yeah, and you, sometimes it's just those nine rounds that you just let him run underneath the ball. Mm-hmm. He's going to be that guy. Sterling Shepard is used for getting that third down, or that first down on that and, third and down and play. If, Nick, if you look at Sterling Shepard's career, um, yards per catch, it's only 11.6. That's, yeah. that's what he's done his entire career. Yeah, yeah. he's just the possession. He's yeah. going to get that steady diet. He's a legitimate receiver. Oh, but yeah. He just needs to stay on the field, put together 16 games. But, you know, with, with it, with, especially with concussions, you know, with having a concussion, you actually are more prone to have more concussions in the future, especially mm-hmm. the next season. So he had one, one right after another last year. So this year, I'm just really concerned about that. So I'm just kind of staying away from that. But so I'm going to definitely pick Slayton uh, for my pick for the Giants receivers. So I have to ask both of you then, because you're, you're both like, you're in on Slayton, right? You're, yeah. you're going to go out and grab him. Me, I'm gonna I'm gonna do more of the the slow. Let him, one of these guys come to me. If, oh, yeah, if, if I don't, right? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, run to the well to grab uh, either of them, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, what round do you feel comfortable taking Slayton? If, if if he's a guy that you're targeting, he's on your draft list. You know, you've got him in the queue on the on the, on the side. Sterling Shepard has not gone yet. Assuming we're in a 12 team. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm honestly looking for when I'm in the draft in those later rounds. If he hasn't been taken yet, I'm look, like honestly, I'm looking for him to fall into my lap. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, I'm definitely looking for him to be my lottery ticket at the end of the draft because mm-hmm. you're just trying to fill your roster at that point. Just take someone with the lottery potential instead mm-hmm. of just being like, oh well, you know, I can watch this guy every Sunday because he's part of my favorite team. Mm-hmm. No, pick someone that actually has some potential. So I'm not sure. I would say round eight, where we're seeing him draft, that's right a now. little rich. That's uh, yeah. that seems a little early for me if you're going to go after him. So the, the guys that were drafting around him. You're looking at John Brown, Manny Sanders, Deontay Johnson, and Christian Kirk just ahead of him. Behind him, you're looking at Mike Williams, a C.D. Lamb, an Anthony Miller, a Jerry Judy, names we've all talked up uh, so far this preseason. You know, are you drafting him ahead of all of those guys? Anyone no. ahead of him? He he was such a reach in this draft. Like even him and Shepard. That's I would take every single one of those receivers after him. Uh-huh. I would take him before them. 
Oh, okay. All because, right. like, it, the thing is, is that you don't know which one is actually mm-hmm. going to pan out. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. Mike Williams is the number two 1B on the mm-hmm. Chargers. Mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb's going to be the slot receiver. Uh, Anthony Miller, he's kind of coming into his own. Jerry Judy was drafted for a reason in the first round. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and then right after, Golden Tate is drafted, who's the third receiver. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I feel like that that was kind of reached, but I'm definitely not picking them there because it's just so many unknown variables. Where are you grabbing them, Ryan? I'm going with Nick. He's, I'm not running to grab him. If I can grab him, if I'm in like your traditional 12-team PPR, mm-hmm. you know, 16 set to 18 run draft, say 11 or 12 if he's there, I'll take him. Before that, I think uh, wide receiver is such a deep position. Mm-hmm. You really just – there's a lot of other people I would take. you got guys like Nico Hardman. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he's, he's going to be in a pass-heavy offense I'd rather take. Um, Judy, I mean, it's, that, that would be just a little high for me. And I like their quarterbacks a lot more than I like Daniel Jones. Yeah, in general, you know, I like other pieces where, you know, he's going right there. Like, you know, J.K. Dobbins went a few picks before him. I'd yeah. be a little bit more in on that. You know, that's a guy that is, you know, one injury away from being a top 10 running back. Um, Christian Kirk, I'd be over him. Cam Akers, yeah. Cam Akers, Manny Sanders, even John Brown. I like John Brown still as a number two there in Buffalo. Yep. He was solid for Allen last year. I can't imagine. I think he's going to be better with Diggs around. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine that chemistry just, like, evaporates, right? I actually like Matt Breda, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's in round seven, eight, and nine, I think there's some better pieces there yeah, than definitely. any of these uh, New York receivers who really – Who's going to boom every single week? There are so many options there. You have Slayton. You have Shepard. You have Tate. You have Ingram. And, oh, by the way, potentially the best running back in the league in Saquon Barkley, who at the end of the day, he's the number one passing target. He's the number one like That's offensive office. threat, period. Yeah. Yeah. So with Ingram and Barkley having more of a spotlight on him, again, another situation, three to four week booms where Slayton's going off, Shepard's going off, Tate's getting random touchdowns. You know, all of these guys – all four, Slayton, Shepard, Tate, and Ingram, they're all healthy coming into this year. That wasn't the case last year. Gun to my head, I'm going to take Slayton over Shepard. The injury history is there for me. Uh, Slayton you know, didn't really come off the field last year, wasn't really hurt at all, had these big games where he, hit, he did boom, and maybe you know those two to three games turn into five or six this year, and you can really plug him in on some positive spots. So I'm, I'm with Slayton over Shepard. Nick's the same. And Yeah, and I was going to say, I think you guys will notice this if you guys have been following our pod. I, I love to I love to flip. If he has those two good back to back games, mm-hmm. package him with something yep. else and get yep. something else. Get him out of here. Sell him high. Yep. Sell him high. Sell high. Buy low. Yep. All right. Cool. So breaking into the the back end of our show here, we're just going to close it out with a nice twelve pick mock draft. The first round mock draft season. All right. So I'm going to take it away here. I'm just going to get her all pulled up. You know, Mister One Hundred One. It's CMC. I don't. Yep. I don't think we're in any disagreement there whatsoever. Not at all. Um, anything fun we want to add in about him? I mean, it's, it's he's just two positions in one. He's going to yeah, get a thousand yards rushing, one hundred yard reset or one hundred receptions in a season. Um, he's the top threat to do that every single year as long as he gives sixteen games in a season. He seemingly has done that, so he's worth one one hundred one to me at all times. Yeah, we've talked about offensive coordinator Joe Brady uh, quite a bunch on the show. You know, talking about getting the ball out in open space. Uh, McCaffrey's only going to benefit from that. I see him taking more snaps at wide receiver this year. They're talking about bringing Curtis Samuel in for running back snaps and getting more versatility out of him. That's only going to put or push McCaffrey somewhere else on the field. Uh, he doesn't have anyone behind him as a threat for touches whatsoever. You know, he, he's just Mister One Hundred One. He can he can get a thousand yards receiving. He can get a thousand yards rushing. He can do it all from anywhere on the field. You know, it's pretty simple. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to repeat too much what you guys already said, but um, he's actually going to benefit, I think, from Teddy Bridgewater stepping in as quarterback, check down Teddy, yep. getting more dump off passes exactly. for him. And last year, you know, he had a record-setting year with receptions. He had 116 catches. Uh, by the way, he broke his own record of 107 from the previous year. This guy's special. He, he's he's number one. I mean, you're getting you know top you know top ten receiver production mm-hmm. and a top three running back in one player. It's it's a joke. He's yeah. This is number one. Don't overthink it. Yeah, it's really simple. I can only really see Barkley or Elliott going ahead of him. You know, but it's not a loss for you if they go if those two go one oh one, Christian McCaffrey yeah. falls into your last no, if I could get him at two or three, I'd do cartwheels. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't and, think I can do a cartwheel, but I try. <laughs> the only places that's gonna happen is if you're drafting in the greater New York or Dallas, Dallas area. area. You know, those are the only places that's gonna happen. Um, and and even then I think you're still gonna see CMC go first overall. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's preventing him from, you know, another great season is injury, and that's it. You know, yeah. Hasn't missed a game yet. That's gonna be yeah, find some wood and knock uh, The only thing with these top five guys is that they can all hit the same type of production. We'll kind of get into that. Yep. Uh, our next guy, Saquon Barkley, Mr. 202. If you ask me, I don't see a ton of arguments for bringing Elliott, bringing Kamara, bringing Cook, or really anyone else up to this level. I mean, I've seen Mike Thomas go number two in some mock drafts. Obviously, that's silly. He doesn't have the volume of these other guys. Barkley did miss some time last year, had a high ankle uh, sprain. Uh, that made him miss about, what, three or four weeks. Yep. Easily could have missed seven or eight weeks. So I love the durability. I love the strength there. And just the sure willingness to come back. Like, this was a team that was not competitive last year. So Barkley's for me at 202, or 102, sorry, very easily. You guys got any, any uh, differences there? He's the one that's going to have the offense on his back. I mean, Danny Jones is still coming into his own in, in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Saquon Barkley has been there. <laughs> They're going to depend on him to take the ball. Run it, catch it, whatever. Um, so yeah, I fully agree with 102. And uh, you know, if I get him any later than 102, I consider that a steal. Yeah, um, no argument from me here. I also like him at this spot uh, for the same reason we were just talking about with CMC. He had 91 catches in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. He had 52 last year in uh, 13 games. You know, he would add another you know solid reception season. Mm-hmm. He is a du- true, true dual threat, and like you guys mentioned, that office is going to run through him. So yep. he's going to get plenty of touches, and he's. He's a game breaker. He can score on any play, so that always helps out in fantasy. So, two on two for me. Yeah, honestly, when I look at the Giants' offense in comparison to the the Panthers' offense, it actually looks better, mm-hmm. right? Just CMC just pops off the charts. Hasn't been hurt yet. Um, if he does get hurt this year, I think that will draw the value for Barkley and CMC closer next year, and you may actually see Barkley go one on one next year. But you know, when you look at the, the weapons, the, the passing game, and even just the comparison between Dan Jones and, and Teddy Bridgewater, I think it's kind of like a wash. Right? But when you look at the passing weapons, I still see Slayton, Shepard, Tate Ingram a level ahead of just DJ Moore. Like I like Curtis Samuel. I called him baby Tyreek Hill last year. Yeah. He has a ton of speed, but it just didn't pan out. And they just didn't use him the way that all the fans, and especially fantasy owners, were dreaming of. And I think maybe he gets a little bit more usage this year, but CMC, like when you're looking at him, he is the identity of that Panthers offense. Absolutely. And I think that... Barkley has some more weapons there that you know can go into his touches a little bit. Yeah, uh, they can they kind of dip in. So yeah, uh, CMC CMC still gets the nod ahead of Barkley. Uh, moving to our third and fourth third and fourth picks, uh, I'm looking at Zeke Elliott. Uh, still a guy that's going to rush the ball you know, over 300 times this year. We touched on the defense not being as good uh, this year potentially, so maybe he catches a few more balls. But I think that's really just the la- the lack of consistency there and the the pass catching work is what's leaving him. 
behind Barkley and CMC, right? We saw him come on the scene last year, or two years ago, actually, with 70-plus catches, 54 last year. So it kind of convolutes the situation. You know, you kind of, want to, kind of would have liked to see Zeke hit over 60 catches uh, again last year, but him kind of dipping down into the 50s, you know, C.D. Lamb coming in, a lot of hype around him, the defense not being so good. Maybe they do pass a little bit more this year, but all of Zeke's talent still keeps him there at three. You guys uh, going any different direction here? No, uh, I mean, Zeke's definitely three. Uh, you just got to kind of think running backs as uh, actual bell cow featured running back, and there's the receiving, uh, you know, they, they can rush and receive. So mm-hmm. Zeke is the top of those bell cow running backs. So we're talking like Zeke, Dalvin Cook, um, we got Josh Jacobs, and we got Nick Chubb. Hunter so, Henry. Oh, Hunter Henry's a tight end. Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah, Derrick Henry. Wait, position change happened? Yeah, I was, I was, Where's this? Was, I was, I was looking at the wrong screen. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, the, but Zeke is at the top of those. But, as Justin alluded to, it's his, uh, it's an inconsistent pass-catching ability. His reception numbers mm. definitely keeps down his value. So, you know, it, when we're this high, I definitely try and look, um, you know, for – those guys that have two positions in one. So maybe uh, Alvin Kamara goes higher to, than Zeke than me just because of his pass-catching ability. Ooh, that would be interesting. So I think Zeke also, I think um, maybe excluding Saquon, he may be the best pure running back. Like when we're yeah. just counting running back, like rushing ability, yeah. he might be the, I think he might be the best in the league when we're just talking about rushing yeah, ability. Yeah, the only year he didn't get 1,000 yards is when he had, was suspended for six games and he had 983 in 10 games. Yeah. The guy's a baller. Um, I think his passing, his receptions are going to go down with the addition of C.D. Lamb. I think we saw it last year because Michael Gallup had an awesome year. He had mm-hmm. over 1,100 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with Zeke at three. I think he's going to continue to be your bell cow. I think you can safely assume, again, you know, 12 to 1,300 yards, double to the touchdowns. His catches, I think you're probably going to be in the 40-ish range just because, you know, C.D. Lamb is awesome, and I think he's going he's gonna to eat into that. So I'm fine with him at three. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, and I see where you guys are coming from there as far as, you know, the, the regression passing. You know, I'm, I'm there as well. I think CeeDee Lamb does come in, does have a role on this team. But like you said, you know, he's, he's the best pure rusher in the league. And I, I can't disagree with that whatsoever. I think Derek, not Henry Hunter, <laughs> um, is, is probably right there with him as far as just like pure rushing ability yeah. and, you know, can, you know, tied with his power, you know, yeah. what, what that can do for you. Um, this is coming at you. Yeah, exactly. Terminator. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all over Zeke at three. I would definitely move him up to potentially two in standard. Um, but Barkley, like you mentioned, he's right there as far as a pure rusher. So um, I think three is just a really steady spot. Even in standard, I'd probably take him like two behind Barkley. You know, I think Barkley's still yeah. that, that guy for you there. Uh, moving on to number four, uh, Nick was kind of alluding to Alvin Kamara. Um, so you're saying you might take him at four? Or I'm sorry, at three? Yeah, I mean, he's recorded 81 receptions in his first three seasons. Um, the one thing, you know, I took him last year and mm-hmm. I kind of suffered from it, but it did come out that he did suffer like a knee injury. So he was fighting that, but he played through it. He played through it. He only missed two, like so two games. Is that right? Yeah. So he's, he is durable, but you could tell that his numbers were down because his touchdowns were done mm-hmm. down. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's coming back, you know, healthy, but he's a threat to receive the ball and also rush the ball. Um, I remember watching him at Tennessee and he just, he transferred from, I forgot where he transferred from, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he transferred from there, and he just, like, took over Tennessee. Like, he was just, like, the new kid on the block and, you know, uh, took over the spot of the incumbent that was there. So, you know, I love Alvin Kamara since he's come in. I hope he just comes back healthy and gives us a full season and gets more than six touchdowns this year. Yeah, I think I think these top four are really simple in any order that they go in, really. Yeah. I mean, 
if someone takes Kamara first because, you know, living down in New Orleans, great, cool. And you get CMC second or Barkley third, whatever. Like, that's great. Um, any four of these guys are interchangeable, I, I, I think, in this spot here. Um, really love Kamara. The 81 catches uh, each of his uh, first three seasons is amazing. I'm all about it. Um, I think the you know, landmine that people need to avoid here is what I'm seeing a lot of still is Mike Thomas getting drafted ahead of Alvin Kamara, going at third, going at four, because, you know, you think you know something or you're like, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe just people are reading too many magazines or I, I don't I think know. think it's just people trying to overthink stuff. Like running yeah. backs are so hard to find, you know, that are true bell cows. That true studs. Get their work. Wide receiver is a much, much deeper position. And like I said, mm-hmm. the guy like you guys alluded to, 81 catches every year. He's money. That's a solid receiver. How do they even do that? I have no idea. How do you, how do you get that down to the number every year? To, 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 to think about it, like Mike Thomas would, would probably have to have like 2,000 yards, 2,000 receiving, or 2,000 receptions, 2,000 yards to actually have the same kind of fantasy production as a running back. Because it's the running type back, of running back, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. type of running back. So like that's why like it doesn't make sense to us that Michael Thomas is being taken higher than Alvin Kamara because the Mike Thomas is a, is a just a receiver, but Alvin Kamara is a running back and a receiver. Yeah. So and he know. just has more touches yeah. than Thomas. Period. Like yeah. a hundred. What is it? One hundred and seventy rush attempts and uh, over hundred targets. And I think the big thing is, is, is it, the reason I think people are worried about Kamara is his touchdown production dips. So That's all it is. He had thirteen total his first year, eighteen total his second year, only six last year. His rushing it's numbers. Go. Uh, his rushing numbers with Justin Lyon. He still averaged four point seven a carry. Mm-hmm. Had the eighty-one catches. He didn't have enough big plays for the mm-hmm. receiving game. He missed a couple of games. I'm not really worried about him. He's going to be fine. Um, don't overthink it. If you're in my league and you let him fall to me at five, thank you. Shame on you. Yeah. Shame on anyone that lets Alvin Kamara fall to five. Unless it's like super flex, there's no reason for it. Not at all. He definitely has to go in the top four. Um, I have. Well, we'll just move on. I have Dalvin Cook right behind him. And Dalvin Cook is only in, the, in this conversation at five because of his production last year. If you looked at every year before that, I mean, you're not taking him in the first round based off of his injuries, right? Like, you know, last year was amazing for him. He still wound up missing uh, two games at the end of the year. And still finished with, what, over 1,300 total yards? Yep. Uh, uh, 1,300 total yards. Yeah, 1,600, 1,300 on the ground, I believe. Yeah, 11 on the ground. 11 on the ground. Yeah. Holy shit, that's great pass catching. That's what I'm talking about. Like, he has all the value there. He just has to be on the field. And for me, like, I keep him, you know, like, in this top five situation only because of last year. He looked amazing. He showed us everything that we dreamed he could have been. Stefanski is, Stefanski is gone. Uh, but they're bringing in Kubiak, who should implement a very similar approach. Solid offensive mind. Yeah, yeah, very, very run heavy, very, very run heavy. So I, I like the position that he's in. He just needs to stay healthy, and they just need to fucking pay the man. Give the man his contract. The, the difference between Dalvin Cook and Mark Ingram is that they're both run heavy offenses, but Dalvin Cook is the only one getting the ball in yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, Baltimore is going to have you know Jackson, Dobbins, Ingram, you know sharing the ball and whoever mm-hmm. else is behind them. But Dalvin Cook, he he got the ball so much in the first couple games. I know this because he was on my fantasy team, just racking up points. He got so many touches that the wide receivers called out Kirk Cousins and was like, "You need to give me the ball." It's because they are going to continually feed Dalvin Cook until he literally goes into the ground. Because isn't he in a contract here this year? Well, yep. he, he needs a new contract. He needs a new and contract. Saying, he needs a final year contract. And yeah. he's saying that he's not going to play under this current contract. So they're, they are going to pay him sometime in the next three weeks. I can guarantee it. There's no way that they're going to let this guy go, and there's no way they're going to let him sit out games. So my thing with the Minnesota Vikings, too, is kind of related to Cook and also big picture. They went through a, 
a sort of a mini rebuild this offseason. You know, mm-hmm. they shipped out to Estefan Diggs, lost a lot of key players on defense. Especially. Yeah, yeah. we talked about Everson Griffin and some other players, mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes. Um, so I don't know if they're going to pay him or not or what, how they're going to handle this because I know they're in a cap situation because they paid Kirk Cousins again. Um, all that money. So for me personally, if, if I'm drafting, like, like you mentioned, hopefully you guys are drafting at the end of the month before the mm-hmm. season starts. Oh, yeah, if Cook's contract situation isn't handled, honestly, I'm not touching him. I just don't want to deal with that for my first round pick. Uh, in most seasons, you know, sitting out, you know, training camp, missing mini camp and all that stuff would be a bigger deal. But during COVID right now, where mm-hmm. that's not even happening, it's not as big of a deal. But if I don't have like a concrete answer if he's playing or not, I'm not touching him in the first seven rounds. Yeah, so everybody else can get lucky. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm, fine with that. I'm definitely right there with you if we're drafting today. Yeah, right. Like if I'm drafting today, Dalvin Cook is probably not my fifth pick, and that's because he isn't signed. Uh, so looking at the cap situation for the Vikings, he still plays this year under his current contract. Next year, they have about $29 million in space. Okay. So they should be fine to, to, get him, to get him paid. To me, the issue is the number talk, right? I deserve this or whatever. I deserve X. The Vikings say it's Y, right? You know, you've been hurt the first two years, but last year you boomed for it. So yeah. you, you need to respect the, the fact that you weren't um, providing us RB1 numbers years one and two, right? Yep. And I think that's fair. I, I do think that's fair. You can't just completely pay him on one year. You know, you came in on a rookie contract. Was drafted in the first round. That's that's respectable money. Getting you know coming in as a first round pick. So I do think they sign him. I do think they get things taken care of. You know I'm not gonna. I would pull maybe Joe Mixon into this spot. Maybe <clears throat> excuse me if, uh, if if I'm drafting tomorrow. But come come Labor Day weekend, he's gonna have the money in his bank account. Well, whatever. He's gonna have the contract signed. Things are gonna be looking ready to roll. And I'm taking him in five. You want to close it down with a quick at five, Nick? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I just. He's he's less of a gamble than like people taking Antonio Brown last year. Like for sure. me, because sure. I know that he's going to get the ball in Minnesota. Um, uh, well, there's no one behind him. Like the Minnesota Vikings really have no leverage to like let him hold out. Like the Steelers let let Bell hold out because they had James Conner. Mm-hmm. You know, they had something. There. They, they yeah. had something there, but in Minnesota, there's nothing behind him. Mm-hmm. So you know they definitely want to make this year count because. Uh, I think that this is either the second last year or the last year of Kirk Cousins' new deal, mm-hmm. and th- they they need to make something happen in that in that time frame. So, and they won't do it with Alexander Madison uh, behind, yeah, Kirk, yeah, behind Kirk Cousins. No, he's like he's solid. Like he's a respectable handcuff. You know, if you're drafting in fantasy and you do draft Alvin Cook, you need to draft Alexander Madison. Yeah, Absolutely. you just have to. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, Madison's not coming out of the field to steal touches. Like yeah. that's, that's not going to be the case. He's not a third down back for him. No. Yeah, it's, exactly. Delvin Cook is an every down back. And once he does get paid, I'm telling you guys, he's going to get paid. The Vikings are not the same team without him. Nope. Just look at last year. With Dalvin Cook in your lineup, you know they're right there with the Bears and Packers to win this division. If he's not there, they are not. I'm telling you, if they don't have, if they don't have Dalvin Cook on the field week one, they're punting the season. They're, Kirk, they're, yeah, Kirk Cousins thrives on the play-action game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He cannot win without it. They, that's why they ran the ball so much last year, and that's why they, they had a better year. Um, if you put the game on his shoulders, I think all three of us know how that goes. Yeah, a- absolutely. Not, not going to get anything done. So no. definitely drafting Dalvin Cook on draft day, Labor Day weekend, fifth overall. I, I know he's going to get the contract before then. You know, give it another couple weeks of training camp, if, if not even then. All right, so moving uh, to halfway through the first, uh, we're looking at pick six. I got Michael Thomas. Uh, this is where I kind of feel comfortable, um, you know, easing off the gas on the running back pedal. 
Um, I think that Michael Thomas ahead of Joe Mixon is fair, who's going to be our next pick here. But, you know, I'm really more doing this for just, just to ease people's concerns. Like, yes, you can take a wide receiver in the first round. You don't have to take running backs all the way from one through eight, one through nine. You know, Thomas does have real boom value. But we did see Manny Sanders coming this year, you know, to kind of help him out in the rest of the offense. Where do you guys see Thomas going? Are you taking him in six, higher, lower? Where are you at? Six is cool with me. It's just really hard to replicate the 149 catches on 185 targets with mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders coming in. So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, if anything, it's going to be like a minor regression, but it's not a, a regression on his talent. It's just a regression on numbers just because another receiver is there. So, six is probably okay with me. I, I kind of like him more than like the pure running backs like Derrick Henry, um, that kind of stuff. So, this is a pure receiver, so just realize that you're getting one type of production from him, but it's going to be top-end production uh, compared to other receivers um, that will be taken right behind him. Yeah, I, I'm with Nick. I, I feel comfortable taking him at six. I think he's going to be more productive and score more points than the remaining running backs, um, except for one, which I'll mention later. Um, he, every year since he's been in the NFL for the last four years, his catches and yards have gone up every single year. Um, and even now, he finally has a weapon. So last couple of years, he's been battling the opposing defenses, doubling him, keying in on him because there is no other reliable, consistent threat. They have that now. He's not going to get 149 catches again. That's record-breaking. That's impossible to receive. But I think he's still going to be in that you know 110 to 120 range again. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and just kind of showing the rest of the league, like you know, he's the best wide receiver, right? Like I, I still have him ahead of Julio. Ahead of Devontae Adams. I think he's still in a very good situation. Devontae Adams is the only receiver in Green Bay, but they don't throw the ball enough, right? Julio is battling uh, uh, Calvin uh, Rip, or Ridley. I was about to say Ripley again. <laughs> uh, came out this week with a um, I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to give him a run for his money this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's names up there. there there's, there's names up there, but they're all systems that they're in. You know, Mike Thomas is just concentrated so oh, yeah. much. And I, and I get it. You know, he's been the guy because he's needed to be. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's quarterback proof. If Breeze goes down, you have a, a guy in Jameis Winston that will that will, I think, still give him those types of targets. Oh yeah. He'll even, literally throw it to anybody. Even even with those other guys in the lineup, Sanders, uh, Kam- uh Kamara, Cook, you know, Traquan Smith is still there, he's kind of a meh, whatever. But I think if Winston somehow gets on the field, I think that even with all these guys there, Thomas can hit these numbers again. It's just, I, I really think he can. His yards per reception will just go up because, mm-hmm. you know, Drew Brees, you know, he's still a uh, I would say he's still an elite quarterback. It's yeah, just a little yeah. bit older. But Jameis Winston will just air the ball out and just chuck it up for Mike Thomas to go get get the ball. And Mike Thomas is, you know, one of the bigger receivers in the NFL. So I have no problem with Mike Thomas, even if Drew Brees goes down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we're talking pick six here. Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, uh, Eckler, any of these other wide receivers, are you going to take them at, at, uh, at six? No, if I'm at six, I'm taking Thomas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay so unless so unless for some reason one of those running backs fell to me. But at six, I think Mike Thomas is going to score the most of the remaining players. Okay. All right. So, so, we're, so we're agreeing. So he's, he's a good grab at six. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on, we got Joe Mixon at seven. I really like Joe Mixon a lot. Uh, like, loved him a lot last year. Uh, a guy that you can always rely on to get, grab at least 20 uh, touches a game. You got the, the kid, Joe Burrow, coming in. A lot more positivity, a little bit more hype this year. Uh, Jonah Williams coming back, first-round pick last okay. year uh, for the Bengals. You know, beefing up that offensive line. I don't think the line's great. But I think they're going to be a little bit better than last year, only providing a little bit more upside for Joe Mixon. The dude just needs catches. Zach Taylor, feed the man. Yeah. Are you guys taking Joe Mixon any earlier than pick seven? 
no. Um, I mean, Cincinnati is kind of scary, but Joe Mixon has shown that he can produce, even if there's, you know, no quarterback there. I mean, uh, last year, where it was Andy Dalton, Ryan Finley, mm-hmm. um, he's still he's still going to get his production as a running back. It's just he's he's such a weapon in the receiving game that he needs to be used more to take pressure off of your outside receivers. Um, you know, you got Joe Burrow coming in. He's used to having a uh, receiving uh, running back like Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who he had last year and went to a championship with. Use Joe Mixon in the same way. Zach Taylor, please use your weapons um, that you all have instead of just you know focusing on getting Joe Burrow to AJ Green or wherever. Give everybody the ball. There's enough passing attempts in the NFL these days that you can get everybody the ball and get their touches. Use them. Okay, so Joe Mixon, I think that uh, he's he's definitely worth the seventh pick for sure. Yep, I agree. He's going to be in an offense. I think that's going to be. I think it's going to feature him a little better. Quarterback play, I think, is going to be a lot better for him this year. So I think he's going to be um, running a lot more and a lot easier. And the addition of T. Higgins, I think, to that offense is going to help him out too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as great as AJ Green was, he's just been so hurt. You know, he missed all of last year. Um, so I think you have some valuable threats on that offense that can uh, help out in the passing game. And I think in turn that'll help Burrow out, get um, Burrow out, and getting more checkdown passes and. More, more uh, attempts towards uh, Joe Mixon. Yeah, this isn't uh, an offensive line or uh, whatever offense in general you, you can load the box on, right? Nope. You, you have T. Higgins coming in. You have Tyler Boyd. You have A.J. Green. You have John Ross, who, oh, who is maybe. coming. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I thought he's activated off the, the COVID. He, he, he went home due to his son uh, contracting COVID, so okay. they don't know what's going on with him. But I, I, thought that, I thought that he was activated off the list. Like, he, he, like, was, I, he was. Okay, okay. So yeah. they're all going to be there. That's, that's my point. It's a lot of speed. Yeah, it's a ton of speed to blow off the top. So you're going to open up space for Mixon, and you can do more things with him at receiver. You just have to give him the ball, Taylor. You just don't get it, do you? I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why they haven't fed him the ball in these previous two years. Hopefully this is a year that they do it. If they did, I mean, if they gave him the ball 50, 60 times passing, he'd be in that top five. Yeah. He, he would be there at five over Dalvin Cook. They just haven't done it. I hope this is the year, the year that they do. Um, so yeah, we're we're all in love with them. Take them at pick seven <clears throat> very easily. Maybe a spot sooner. I don't know. I could. I, I'm I'm kind of fighting the the Mike Thomas Joe Mixon. I'm kind of. So one thing I like to do when I when I'm drafting players, mm-hmm. I'm in fantasy and let's see, and go and do an either or. I look at players that are in the contract year. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon's in the contract year. So okay, I think I got earn that money next Mike year. Thomas did money. get paid already. Yeah, I, did, I did the same gamble last year with a lot of leagues and getting Amari Cooper. He was in a contract year. It worked out for me. He is respectable. I, I had Amari Cooper as well. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Mixon's gonna. I think that's gonna help drive him. All right, great. So yeah, we're we're all locked in at him at uh, at seven. Maybe a pick sooner if you're uh, if you're feeling a little bit more aggressive or not feeling receivers in the first round. I know a lot of people that do that. So what if Mike Thomas is there? I, you know, running backs they fall off the shelf. You know, they, they go really quick. So sometimes you just need to go out and get your guy, you know, just to solidify that spot on your roster. I know I'm going to catch slack for this next one, but number eight, I got Tyree Kill. Um, I'm all in love with Tyree Kill. We're talking about the wide receiver one uh, in the league from two years ago. Uh, missed, uh, was it six games or four games last year? Uh, I think it was four. four. Yeah, missed yeah. four games last year. Went down early in week one up against the Jaguars. That wasn't, uh, wasn't great. Uh, took a good pop from Jalen Ramsey. Won't be doing that week one this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always in love with Tyree Kill. Has that speed ability to be a rusher, a receiver, can hit a home run. Yeah, can hit a home run anywhere on the field. And I have him behind, uh, or I'm sorry, ahead of guys like Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, who you mentioned, um, you know, Devontae Adams, because to me, 
those guys are still stacking on, you know, a couple more years in age. They're losing a little bit of speed, and Hill is just getting faster and stronger. You know, this is a guy that can boom you 80 to 90 yard touchdowns on any given play. Yep. And I just don't see, you know, Julio, Hopkins, Adams having that finisher speed. You know, when you catch a ball, you know, 40 yards off the line of scrimmage, you need to finish the play, right? Like downfield, you know, you know, Julio, all the time we see him getting tackled at the eight, the five. Same thing for Hopkins and, and, and Adams, you know. I see Hill as that guy that can still finish those drives for you. Catch the ball down the field and not just, you know, make a play and go out of bounds, but take it the rest of the way. And that's a big deal in fantasy because you'll see your guy like a Julio or an Adams get that downfield catch and he's like, he's just outside the red zone. Or whatever, he's just outside the, the end zone. He's at the five and now they're finishing off with, you know, the Gurleys, the, the the Drakes, you know, yeah. the, the, the Aaron Joneses. And you're just sitting there in complete frustration. You know, that where is my extra six points? Yeah, and uh, for Tyree Kill, the other thing is, you know, when you have a guy like him with all that speed, you think, all right, you put two people on him, safety over the top. Well, that Chiefs offense is one thing. You still have Sammy Watkins there. Nicole Hardman is damn close to the same amount of speed as Tyree Hill. Yeah, two words, Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, my guy, and then Ricky Flyers out at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's, that offense is stacked, and it's just – it's basically pick your poison for opposing defense. Sadly, who do you want to beat you? You know, you, you can't double anyone. Some it's just it's very difficult to match up. So I'm actually I'm okay with this pick. And Tyreek Hill's one of those guys. The example we were talking about off camera is like let's say Justin and Nick are playing. Nick's up by 40 points, and you know Justin has Tyreek Hill left on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Nick's not going to sleep. You're not safe. It's just one anytime. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm. Not okay with Tyreek Hill being eight. Um, you know, I did take Tyreek Hill last year in the first <laughs> round, and those four weeks that he missed really hurt me. It really did. put me they behind. Same, he, same thing happened here. He's he's a, he's one of the smaller receivers in the NFL. Um, I would not take him above uh, DeAndre Hopkins because I think DeAndre. Well, we're going to go more into this, mm-hmm. but I do think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a focal point in the Arizona offense. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I think the way he runs the offense is telling Kyle Murray to throw to a certain part of the field and just let the receiver get the ball. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best in the NFL at doing that. So, yeah. And then he's also a great jump ball receiver. So Kyle Murray doesn't yeah, have absolutely. to see over the line. Hopkins is just going to get the play calls that he needs. So I, I'm more about the steady diet than the lottery ticket because Tyreek Hill, he is a lottery ticket, but mm-hmm. he hurt me last year. I guess I just had last year's remorse, but <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm going to say, you know, if I get in the second round, I'd be happy, but I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins before Tyreek Hill. I think you can get Tyreek Hill in the second round. I, I think you can this year. It's just that for me, if I'm going to, if I'm going to take receivers in the first round, it's going to be, you know, Thomas or Hill that early. That's for sure. I mean, taking a receiver picks 11 and 12, it's pretty easy. Because the best ones are typically there, right? Like, they're always there. But if I have to go ahead of that uh, before those guys, I'm definitely taking me a Hill or a Thomas. You know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, being his quarterback, that's got a lot to do with it, guys. Hill is the best receiver with the – or not the best receiver, but he's the receiver in this group with the best quarterback, period. Best passing quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Hill was with Lamar Jackson, I'd still take him at this spot. You know, it's the same exact thing. You know, all the opportunity is there for him. <clears throat> you do have Travis Kelsey there who, uh, you know, you've mentioned before off-camera, can be, you know, essentially a number one wide receiver for you. I agree with that. It's just that Hill is used in so many different ways. You know, you know, direct snaps, you know, pitches to the outside. They can just use them in so many different ways that 
You know, I, I see his value just being so much higher than you know a Julio, a Hopkins, or an Adams who aren't going to rush the ball, <clears throat> who maybe not be able to uh, finish drives down the field. They're red zone threats, right? You know, you're talking about Hopkins being able to go up and get it. That's a big red zone threat for me. And as you do get closer to the red zone, you know, Hill does lose some value, right? Kelsey becomes the bigger target, the better option. So, even Sammy Watkins. Arizona doesn't even have a, a tight end. Yeah. Like, can you even name them? Do you know who it is? No. Max Williams. He was oh, yeah. in Baltimore. He right. did absolutely nothing. Mark Andrews came and took, took the job. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the tight end in, in the off the four-wide offense of Arizona. And so the other thing I was going to mention about Tyreek Hill is even with Travis Kelsey there two years ago when they had Patrick Mahomes for the full season, um, Kelsey had 100 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Tyreek Hill still had 87 catches, 1,400 yards, like double the difference. He wouldn't necessarily need need the volume. Yeah, the the volume, I think it's just anybody, there's enough for everybody to eat there Mm -hmm. where I don't think um, the other one being there hurts the other one. I think it helps them actually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we'll get, get into these other receivers here in a bit at the back end of this round. Um, yeah, I mean, Tyree Kill going at eight, that's, that's rich. Uh, I, 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 ain't, I ain't afraid to hide from it. Um, but I think it's it's a, a, a risk that you can afford to take this year. Uh, couldn't afford it last year. Couldn't, couldn't afford it last year. Hey, yeah. he, got, he got hurt. It happened to me, too. I took Hill in the first round uh, at, like, pick 11 or pick 12. He got hurt in week one. Yeah. It, it happens. It can happen to anybody, guys. Yeah. It, it's happened to Joe Mixon before. It, it's happened to Dalvin Cook. Yeah. It's definitely so happened to Dalvin Cook. So, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you have to dodge landmines, you know, in, in all of fantasy, right? This is the NFL. People are going to get hurt. It's a violent game. Hashtag bring COVID back the violence. This year. We also have COVID this year. We could have yeah. like, we could have star players be taken out for like four weeks due to COVID. So yep. That's another thing that we got. Well, I mean, you can't really think about. No one can actually predict the future, but mm-hmm. it's just something you got to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I do see uh, do see Hill being a little bit more of a risky uh, pick in the first round. But if all of those running backs have gone and Thomas is gone, and I'm looking at pure talent alone, I want Tyree Kill. We play to win the game. Play. All right. Uh, next up, we got another running back, Derrick Henry at number nine. Uh, Mr. Terminator. Dude's a beast. Dude, I mean, you can't you can't deny it. Vrabel's talking about unleashing him a lot earlier this year. It's always been a theme of Henry's. First half of the season is really slow. Then he works into a strong second half. I took him last year as the last running back uh, selected, like, you know, the first running a team to grab their first running back. I was the last team to grab mine, and it was Derrick Henry. And I didn't win that league, you know, because he did have a very slow start. But at the same time, the back end of the year, I was crushing people and <laughs> kicking people out of their playoffs and uh, ruining some dreams because he was just beasting it. Um, at nine, I think it's pretty fair. I don't know if I could take him earlier than this in a PPR draft. What do you guys think? Um, I, I kind of want to tie this into, like, the next one that we have, uh, Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. These two are basically... Derrick Henry's the pure running back. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler is, is honestly the scat back receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take Eckler in front of Henry just because there is probably more of a likely chance that Derrick Henry, Henry will get hurt in the season than Austin Eckler. It's scientifically proven that a receiving touch is less physically punishing than a rushing touch. True. So, True. Uh, you know, Eckler, he's not, he's not going to get as many rushing attempts due to Melvin Gordon being there. But, you know, just being a pure running back and also the first round being a slow start, that's where you actually win your leagues. Like, mm-hmm. I've noticed that if I lose, like, the first four weeks, I'm basically out and I'm just taking people out of playoffs in the end of the uh, end of the fantasy season, which is not the position I want to be in. I want those wins right now. I want those points right now. And mm-hmm. I need them as soon as I can get them. I feel like Eckler was going to give them to me all 16 uh, games. And he, there is no 
valleys and peaks of this production or a ramp up. It's just going to be a consistent diet of uh, third down touches for him. So I, I would not take Derrick Henry in the first round. Um, you know, we talk about running backs that are, the you know, the lead horse mm-hmm. or, you know, the sole guy. So mm-hmm. Henry is not in any type of committee or anything like that. He's obviously the lead guy. He's a great running back. Yeah. But that's it. He's not catching the ball at all. Yep. For him to be productive for you, he has to get 25, 20 to 25 carries. Not touches, carries. You know, his, his reception in the NFL, his last, you know, his first four years, 13, 11, 15, and 18. 57 total in four years. He's not going to be catching the ball. He's not going to be helping you out of the backfield. So he's got to get, you know, a lot of carries. And those are very cooling and very, you know, bruising for running backs. So if he's not getting those attempts, you know, he's not going to be that productive for you. In this spot, if I'm picking, uh, I pick nine. If, I, if, this a, if this was a live draft going right now, the mm-hmm. board fell this way, and I had pick nine, uh, this is actually where I would take Clyde at Little Air. Oh, gosh, no. Yep. I, mean, I don't I know. That. That's rich. I don't. I, I don't. I don't, I don't hate. So. I don't hate that. Um, but at the same time, you're looking at Derrick Henry, who very well will get those touches. I mean, and, and we and we're talking about about him getting hurt potentially. He's only missed two games in the first four years of his season, so his strength and durability has shown there. But but there's a lot of mileage on yeah, him right he's now, got especially in high school and sure. college. Sure. Like with running backs. It, the mileage that is being used on them before they even get to the NFL is so high. Derrick Henry is just a beast. I mean, if you look at just the comparison between him and Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram looks like a high school kid with yeah. a beard. Um, yeah. But Derrick Henry, he's had so much usage that he's just – I feel like he's just going to break down one day because he, he's just being used into the ground. Like, they're going to use – all. Use him up as much as they can before they actually have to. Did they pay him yet? He got paid. Oh, he got paid. Well, good for him. Good on so and, he, and he took a, and he took a team friendly contract. Yeah, I don't think he had a choice. Yeah, I don't think he had a choice. Yeah, I, I think so. The thing with running backs, unfortunately, is that position is very devalued and it's hard for them to get paid. I'm happy he got paid as well. My concern with Henry, though, is <clears throat> well, it comes back to quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. if other teams are going to stack the box and say, you know, we're not letting Henry beat us. I think opposing defenses have seen what he did, the, the destruction that he caused, and say, okay. Eight in the box, you know. Okay, Ryan Tannehill, you also got paid this offseason. Can you can you beat us? And the the problem is, I don't know if Tannehill can. And you know, having to focus on Tannehill since the fact we just talked about him doesn't you know do anything in the passing game. It really limits him. With the other running backs that are great and elite, they can still kill you in other ways, right? They get mm-hmm. on the wheel route. They can split out wide like Kamara does all the time, like CMC mm-hmm. does all the time. He doesn't do that. So that's what concerns me about taking the first run is. I have to hope every week he gets those 20, 25 carries and that he's able to produce. And I, I know he has last year, but I, I just don't feel comfortable taking him. I, I, I just – sorry. I, you want to go, Justin? Okay. So uh, no one's going to be watching Tannehill. Like, no one's going to be game – no defensive coordinator in their right mind is going to be like, all right, we need to watch Tannehill for Sundays uh, because – He's not someone that's going to beat you. He's not. He's going to be someone that's not going to make mistakes against you. So he's basically fallen into that game manager role. He got paid, um, and you know they're going to be basically stacking the box against Derrick Henry because the offense is so focused on Derrick Henry. You know you got AJ uh, AJ Brown and Corey Davis on the outside, but they're still trying to come into their own. Like I wouldn't consider them elite receivers yet. No. The, uh, AJ Brown is more on his way than Corey Davis, but you know, Derrick Henry is the person on that team that the offense is going to run through. I believe. Okay, so I can't I can't stress that I disagree with you guys anymore. So last year, Derrick Henry led the league in numbers against uh, eight in the box. He, 188 times, defenders lowered the box against him. The next running back 
Dalvin Cook at 147, Sony Michelle behind him at 134, and Derrick Henry still went off for 1,500 yards. There was only four games last year that he didn't score a touchdown. He scored three touchdowns in his cha- in, the, in, the, in the very last week. That's championship week. He got people paid. Now, we're all about not paying for last year's production. But so far, everything you guys have brought up, loading the box, maybe he gets hurt. I mean, anyone can get hurt in the first round. We just got done you know, talking about Joe Mixon, Tyree Kill. You know, Tyree Kill got hurt. First four weeks he was out. Didn't help you, right? Anyone get hurt. But if he's on the field, we've already seen there's nothing that defenders can do to stop him. What I would do, you know, I'm playing a little bit of Madden, playing a little, play a little defensive coordinator here. I would load, I would push him to one side of the field. That's it. I would push him to the side of the field that I think that we can defend best. That's it. Overload one side and try to send him to another. Do you think he's still going to get 18 touchdowns or close to that? I think he can easily hit 14 or 15. He's definitely going to be the goal line guy. I mean, there's no one's taking away goal line touches from him. Yeah. He's not getting pulled out of the red zone. Deion Lewis was there last year. He's gone. Darrington Evans is the only guy that's there behind him that, that's getting any sort of talk, and he was just drafted this year. I can't imagine that he's going to be stealing the ball. I mean, everyone needs a breather every now and again. I mean, sometimes when you run for 900, 999 yards, yeah. you know, I know that was a couple of years ago. But still, this guy is a beast. He's going to be 26 this season, prime prime of his life, you know, not, not just in football, but prime of his life. He's only missed two games since he's come into the into the league. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not – I don't have anything against him other than PPR. Yeah, I, I could see you taking an Eckler out of him if you're, if you're into that. But I don't let him slip much farther than that. Yeah. Uh, if he gets unleashed the way that I'm anticipating, like Vrabel's talking, everybody's, everybody's saying, he's going to be there for you. I mean, Josh Jacobs doesn't catch the ball either. I mean, I know he's talking about catching him more, but he's he's a running back that I could potentially take in the first round, and he's and he's not going to catch the ball a lot. For all I know, Henry could catch the ball more this year. I I, I don't know, um, but I'm definitely going to take him in the first round if I can get him. End of the first would would be would be uh, ideal. But guys, I've seen I've seen him going at five in PPR way I yeah way high. It, 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 take PPR, him or, no. take him that high. I, I'm just gonna. I mean, I like. Oh, him. I don't mind if yeah. someone does it. I, 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 I think honestly, where I would feel comfortable taking him in is in the second round because, like I said, I think he's going to be productive. Yeah. I don't see fifteen hundred yards well, and eighteen touchdowns again. I see closer to maybe twelve hundred yards rushing, thirteen hundred yards rushing, mm-hmm. maybe twelve touchdowns, thirteen touchdowns, which isn't you know, that's solid year. That's the first round, if you but, ask but, me. But, but I mean, that's pretty much all his production, though. Receiving yeah. game, it's like it's kind of like when we talk about receivers. Yeah, you know, but, he had three hundred and twenty-one touches last year. I don't care what you want to call it. Three hundred and twenty touches. Three hundred and twenty touches. Five yards on average for rushing, you know, whatever, whatever he is, 5-1? Yeah. 5-1 last year, 4.8 for his career, you know. So these, these numbers are great. Obviously, yeah, we all want to see him catch the ball more. It's a thing. And in PPR, I, I get it. I, I could see Eckler going uh, right there ahead of him. We're splitting hairs. Um, so, yeah, let's just jump into Eckler. Uh, awesome player. <laughs> had 1,500 yards last year, even with Melvin Gordon coming back and eating into his workload. I see him uh, having, you know, the keys to the city. Uh, the leash is off off the dog. He's ready to run around the yard. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, he. so Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert, whoever the quarterback is, they're going to depend on him heavily, just like a tight end. Uh, Hunter Henry's there. He's going to get some touches for sure. Mm-hmm. The receivers, Williams and Allen, they're going to get their touches too. But you got to remember, there are a lot of plays where quarterbacks do a lot of checkdowns and a lot of safety plays. Especially Taylor. Exactly. So Eckler is going to be the perfect, uh, you know, option for them in those checkdown situations. He's just going to get those receptions at, at all times. I don't know about his rushing, you know, attempts and stuff like that in terms of that because he was mo- mainly a scat back 
uh, receiver last year for the Chargers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I understand why he's being taken here. I'd be okay taking him here, but I like to tell people realize what kind of production you're gonna get. You're gonna get one position production basically. There, there is some rushing value there, but it's not gonna be like uh, you know Alvin Kamara kind of level. So mm-hmm. um, that that's where I'm at with him. Yeah, I, I think it's just too high for me. I, I would feel comfortable taking him maybe at the end of the second round. Um, Ooh, we don't think he's going to be there for you yeah, in the second. Then that's that's okay with me because my thing with him is, um, like, he had a really good year last year with 92 catches. I don't think he's going to have that again. Um, I think he might be close to 70, 80. And then um, first 2019 versus 2018, um, he had 26 more carries but only three more yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so his rushing ability, I'd like to see him do more. Some of that might have been because of Gordon. Um, I think he's going to be a valuable player. Um, and he's going to be a productive player. But I think for me, the first round is, is a little bit too rich. I'm definitely taking Eckler in the first round this year. Um, as far as running backs go, like if you're getting into the PPR, like, I mean, if you're like, say you pull Henry out, right? You're, you're taking Henry out of the first round. Eckler and Clyde Edwards Lair have to be there. Like they, 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 they just have to be taken yeah, out in that I, space. I, I mean, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake. I'd take Sanders over Eckler in the first round, and I'd probably take Jacobs over as well because I think they're going to get more, more work because I, I have to see more from Eckler in the running game. Yeah, I, I can't I, rely on 92 catches again. I, I get it, but I think that you can. I think that you can because the first several games, Tyrod's going to be the guy. Tyrod's going to be the guy. And then if, if he's not the guy, if he is taken out, then you're looking at Justin Herbert, who's just coming in. I also don't believe in Herbert at all, so that might be my bias as well. Woo. Well, then you can't just be buying into any quarterback there. No, no, I, I like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's What is it like about Tyrod Taylor? He's a, he's a what's it called, a professional quarterback. He's going to take care of the ball. He's going to check down the ball. But he's not. I don't see Eckler getting ninety-two. But you, I don't. I don't can't see throw the ball more than ten yards down the field. That's what I'm saying. Like if, if Taylor's in there for fourteen games, thirteen games, then Eckler's absolutely he's getting more than ninety-two catches. Yeah. So you guys don't think Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry are going to get anything? Not from Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Tyrod not. Taylor's arm can't reach them. Well, I ask Jarvis Landry or OBJ what they think. Uh, about yeah, I disagree. Well, uh, Tyrod Taylor played with OBJ. Oh, okay. So we'll yeah. ask Jarvis Landry what he yeah. thought about. So my my thing is, well, I, uh, Hunter Henry's middle of the field. He's not a deep threat. Neither is Keenan Allen. They're they're you know they're inside the numbers. Williams is more of a deep threat. Um, but yeah, Eckler, like I said, I think he's a good player. I think the first round is like that's where your cornerstone players are. That's like the players that are going to mm. lead you for the season. I don't mm. think he is that. I think he's a contributor. I think he's a. Uh, it's it's rich for me. I, I get it. I, I could see these rich. I could see a Clyde Edwards Hilaire over him. But what we saw from him from him last year, I mean, yeah, he had 132 rush attempts, 557 rushing yards, um, three more yards in the year pre- previous, and he had 106 rush attempts that year. I see where you're coming from there. I just think that this year with Gordon gone, I mean, Gordon was there the year before that too. There, what's holding him back? I love Justin Jackson as a handcuff, but Justin Jackson is not going to be your in between the tackles downhill runner. I mean, he can catch the ball. Honestly, he can do both the same things that Eckler does. And Eckler, uh, two years ago, averaged five point two yards a rush. Five and a half years, uh, five and a half to two years, uh, two years ago, sorry, uh, and four point two last year. And I see that just from you know Gordon, you know, being there, you know, you know, hampering his value even more so. Uh, but he totaled over fifteen hundred yards last year. You know, I I don't know how we're not going to get to that same number. How we're not going to get to thirteen hundred. Because if he did catch 92 balls last year, 993 balls, they're not going to not use him in that facet. You know, that's where they have the value in him, and that's why they didn't pay Melvin Gordon, because they know what they have. So I'm all in on Eckler at the end of the first. Reaching above this is a definite no-no. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that going ahead of 10 is a big no, 
But 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, he's mine. Yeah. Absolutely. So my, my thing just a lot of these last two spots. This is mm-hmm. where I would sub in Clyde Edwards earlier. Yeah, yeah. Miles and Miles I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. 12, 13, 14. I'm all about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I like Henry still ahead of him just because I think 320, 320 touches versus what Hilaire could get this year. Still a lot of mouths to feed. I still see Andy Reid using his other uh, running backs. I, I see him still using uh, Thompson. I still he see him using Williams. He didn't do that when he had Kareem Hunt. Well, he didn't do that when he had Kareem. He didn't do that when he had Kareem Hunt. But I still see him doing that. Yeah. You know, this year those guys have still you know kind of earned those spots. All right. So uh, closing it out, we got our last two here. Let's see. I have. Don't have it pulled up yet. Julio Jones is at eleven. Yep. So we got Julio Jones at eleven. Still in love with Julio Jones. Still in love with DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, these other high-end receivers. I think Julio Jones is in line for a really good year this year. In that system with Dirk Cutter, pass-heavy offense, I'm all about it. Um, I think we're all not very high on Todd Gurley this year. Um, so, yeah, the offense still has to go to tried and true. Uh, Julio Jones going to catch a lot of balls this year. I think he can get over 100 catches. I just don't necessarily know what the yardage is, is going to be like. I think that well, – One can tell you that. What do you got? Every last six years, it's always at least 1,300. Okay. So I, I imagine he's just going to continue. The only one of the two receivers in NFL history to get at least 1,300 yards in six straight seasons. Yeah, I'm interested in the uh, the, the Ridley progression. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously still want to know what they're going to use Gurley for. They paid him a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. you got to use him somehow, right? And then Hayden Hurst coming in, a little bit more of a pass-friendly uh, receiver uh, rather than like Austin Hooper or these previous guys. Austin Hooper just seemed to always just get like, Fed the ball in the red zone. It was just randomly, yeah. yeah, just really, really ridiculous uh, uh, usage of him in the red zone. Julio Jones is getting used the rest of the field, and then Hooper would just come in and, and, yeah, and steal those red zone touchdowns. That'd be my only thing. I, I'm totally fine with getting Julio at 11 at the end of the round. That is that's fantastic value. Mm-hmm. He's going to give you a great production. Uh, yeah, I feel really good about it. My only thing with Julio is he's only had one season in his career, which is almost a decade uh, of, of ten touchdowns or more. And so that's the only, I think, I guess you would say knock on him. Mm-hmm. We wish we would get in the end zone more, but mm-hmm. maybe this is the year. But I think you're definitely going to always get, you know, 90 to 100 catches from him, 1,300 yards if he's healthy. Um, solid week in and week out. Uh, consistent. I, I think the previous offenses of the Atlanta Falcons basically used, like, a two-running back system. So they were constantly using the rushing game to try and set up the passing. So that's why, uh, you know, Julio Jones' touchdown numbers probably were a lot lower than what they should be. He he can definitely get 10 touchdowns in a season. Oh, yeah. He just needs to be in the right offensive uh, system. And Dirk Cutter worked with Jameis Winston. Um, and Jameis Winston did uh, throw a lot of touchdowns, but did throw a lot of interceptions. Matt Ryan's a different quarterback. So I do think that Julio Jones' touchdown numbers are going to go up. He's, he's with, to me, one of probably the top receiver in the NFL besides Michael Thomas. Um, it just sucks on how he just doesn't get those touchdowns. I mean, I, if I was a coach and he ran 80 yards and he needed one more yard to get that touchdown, just throw the ball up. He'll go get it for you. Yeah, absolutely. As far as, like, talent goes, like, Julio Jones is, like, I shouldn't say bar none, but he's for sure one of the most athletic, uh, most versatile receivers in the league. Like, Mike Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, they do things differently than, like, you know, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams yeah. still. You know, their, their abilities are beyond this world, to be honest with you. But, again, the system is just not always as friendly, right? You know, I, I like Calvin Ridley more than I like, you know, on Emmanuel Sanders, right? I like, um, you know, uh, Ridley over a uh, Christian Kirk. Sorry, yeah. name, name was escaping me there. So, 
Julio does have some other weapons around him that can bring his value down, and they just don't give him that same type of usage in the red zone like they have in years past. So that just keeps him at the back end of the first round for me. Someone that can easily grab you seven to eight catches every week. Just may not finish off with that uh, cherry on top touchdown. Uh, finalizing the first round, we got DeAndre Hopkins. I know that you're big on him this year. I'm all about him as well. Some of the things that worry me um, that keep him closer to the, the second round and back end of the first really is a Kyler Murray. You know, the, the whole, yeah. uh, hey, aim that direction and throw uh, uh, approach, it's a little, little risky in, in, in my opinion. Uh, not being able to see over your offensive line, again, eh, it's cool that he can succeed with it, but at the same time, I like my quarterbacks being able to see their targets, moving targets at that. Uh, love the upside that he's going to bring to this offense. I'm totally okay with taking him in the first round. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, I love him in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Um, if he can do what he did for years in um, Houston with terrible quarterbacks, he's the same kind of receiver as Larry Fitzgerald, quarterback-proof. As long as he gets the play calls, as long as he gets the balls going his way, he will still eat. Um, that's why I love him. Uh, I just see him reproducing old Larry Fitzgerald numbers in Arizona, especially with um, – possibly 600 pass attempts this year, that's a lot of balls to be thrown up in the air. And, you know, getting a sixth of it is 100 targets. So, you know, I just see DeAndre Hopkins really feasting in Arizona just because of the four-wide system that's there with Kingsbury. Yeah, I think, like we talked about on last week's episode, I, I, we told you, uh, especially I did, like on how high I am on Colin Murray, I think he's going to make a, a lot of uh, improvements this year. And like Nick alluded to, in his career, DeAndre Hopkins put up stellar numbers, being the only target, only weapon in Houston, playing with Brandon Whedon, TJ Yates, Tom Savage, Phil Savage, uh, Phil Jackson at quarterback. Last two obviously were triple. But he's played with some really bad quarterbacks in Houston until he got, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, and they took it to the next level and became even more of a bona fide receiver. So I think he's going to do great things in Arizona. I think getting him at 12 would be awesome. I think you're getting great value here. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to still have um, Larry Fitzgerald on the other side, and you're going to have Christian Kirk in the slot and a really good rookie year. So this is going to be an offense. I think they're going to air it out, and I think everybody's going to eat here. I think this is going to be a uh, – can't believe I'm going to say it. A baby Kansas City Chiefs style offense. A baby, I said baby. Like I think they're going to throw it around, mm -hmm. um, and I think you know you're going to. I think you're going to see at least two receivers with a thousand yards. Yeah, I think the the potential is there, um, especially for like Christian Kirk, mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins. We'd love to see a little bit of a revival of Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I'm all about guys like Larry Fitz, uh, Larry Fitz, uh, Adrian Peterson getting runs for Super Bowls. Uh, so yeah, I hope Hopkins comes in, brings the offense a little bit more upside this year. Totally comfortable taking him in the first round uh, behind you know, some other high-end receivers mm -hmm. and uh, and running backs. As far as guys that maybe didn't make it into the first round here, so just kind of recapping, uh, one through five, we go CMC, Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. And then from there we go Michael Thomas, Joe Mixon, Tyreek Hill, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler. And we close out the first round with Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. And I think... Uh, if I'm reading between the lines here correctly, guys, Tyree Kill and Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler pick seven, eight, nine, or was it whatever, eight, nine, ten. You guys are out. I'm fine with Tyree Kill at that spot. I think, um, but Nick's not. So we'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll say. Yeah. So yeah. so players in round two that we've seen drafted, we're looking at Devontae Adams, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Chris Godwin. I don't know. I don't, uh, from what I know of you two, yeah, I was going to say. From what I know you two, I like him, but I, I, a second round first is value. Third. Right. 
So Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, are these must drafts in your first round? For me, I would say if I'm drafting at, you know, eight, nine, ten in mm-hmm. that spot, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to take Tyree Killer or receiver, I want to get running back, I would go with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I know mm-hmm. everybody feels about rookies, but mm-hmm. Chiefs proved it a few years ago Hunt. If the rookie has talent, he can play that offense is sure. designed for a dynamic running back. Sure. Miles Sanders, we talked about on, on a previous episode where he had a really good rookie year, mm-hmm. you know, working in a committee. He's no longer in a committee. I think he's going to be a uh, running back that's taking the next step. He is a dual threat. He had 50 catches last year, average 10 yards a catch. He's a downfield threat, so I, I like him in that spot. Mm-hmm. And he had 800 yards rushing. Um, another player that I, I think, think might have a better year this year because he'll play full 16 games, Josh Jacobs in 13 games at 1,100 yards. Um, so those are the players I would look at. Adams, Devontae Adams, it's Not he's first. got the talent. The like he's one. got the talent. It's just that offense and the way they do this offseason really confused me. Like talent wise, absolutely he's a first rounder. Mm-hmm. Production wise, I think you you're gonna be frustrated a lot of weeks with him. I the only person I I'm gonna switch Tyreek Hill out with is Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a lot of people they kinda like to wait a year. Um with Miles Sanders, don't wait this year. He is. He's going to be. The, I feel like he's going to be a feature back. Justin thinks that they're going to bring someone else in. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that they're going to let Miles Sanders work. He did replace Saquon Barkley at Penn State, mm-hmm. and he had very big shoes to fill. But honestly, if he wasn't replacing Saquon Barkley, he'd be considered one of the better running backs in uh, Penn State history. Um, so I, I think he can do all the same things. They just got to give him the opportunity. So that's the one person I would switch with Tyreek Hill in that position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see Tyree Kill going in the second round. Obviously, that's better value there. Um, but, yeah. if, but if you're looking to pop off, you know, if because again, like not everyone's going to take Hill as their second receiver. I could easily see Thomas, Hopkins, and Julio all go in the first round, and you still have a pick left in the first. You know, yeah. I can I can see all that happening because honestly, not a lot of people are that high on running backs after you know those top five. You know, at least as far as taking the first round. They think, oh, well, you know, if I'm not getting one of these guys, I have to go to the best available receiver because there's so many of them. It's just not the case this year. Yeah. I think you have a lot of options in your first two rounds in round one and two, and I think it's going to be really volatile across all draft boards. You know, I could see someone easily taking Mike Thomas at six. I could see someone taking Julio ahead of him. I mean, I, I, the, the argument's there. Yeah. You know, the, the just he's a better wide receiver. And <laughs> this offseason, Mike Thomas didn't do uh, himself any favors Gaining, gaining popularity points with the public. Yep. <laughs> you know? So I, I can see a lot of weird things happening this uh, this draft season, especially with no preseason, no preseason games. I mean, it's going to be interesting. So I, I, I like my first round like that. I could definitely see it uh, going in many different directions. So look out for uh, some of the players that we named in your uh, first round, end of the first, beginning of the second. This was T-I-T-T-H number 34. Uh, second episode, I'm on the Wisdom Teeth. I know my voice sounds a little weird. It feels a little weird, that's for sure. So looking to uh, get a little bit more fresh uh, this coming week on TITTH number 35. Look out for that uh, this coming uh, Thursday or Friday, getting back into the groove of things. So uh, thanks for uh, stopping by, giving us a listen. Smash the like button, share the video. I uh, hope you're enjoying listening to uh, maybe the, the pod on your on your car ride. We're now available on, uh, on Spotify and soon to be other uh, audio programs. Uh, yeah, this is T-I-T-T-H number 34. You guys got anything to close it down with? Yeah, uh, I just want to say hi to my Uncle Renee. He just liked the page. Uh, he gave me all my sports jerseys when I first started out. So 
thanks for that. And now I'm talking about sports. And hopefully the Caps bring it back in the series because I'm tired of that. So, you know, go Caps. And, uh, yeah, see you guys. Yep, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for all the support. And uh, four Sundays away from our first NFL Sunday. Let's go for it. All right, guys. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next time. Take care. See you guys. Bye. Bye.